Um, we're actually coming, believe it or not, we're coming to the end of our fiscal year, and we've been focusing on this idea of uh, transformation. And, um, oops, there we go. <laughs> um, and this is really, the transformation is the second element of our emphasis on discipleship. And we've been looking at the, the life of Joshua. And as we mentioned, uh, the theme of Joshua is the faithfulness of God. That God is faithful to all his promises. And last week we were reminded that God's faithfulness is perfect. That he never fails to fulfill even one of his good promises. And that's very impressive considering that there are thousands of promises in the Bible spanning centuries of history as well as extending into the future. And in all these things, God is faithful. He has never failed and as we remain in him, as we abide in him through Jesus, we have this privilege of really seeing and experiencing the faithfulness of God in our own lives, throughout our days. And so as we come to the last two chapters in the book of Joshua, chapter 23 and chapter 24, Joshua's, these are Joshua's final words to the people of Israel who have faithfully followed the Lord into the promised land. And at this point, uh, a lot of time has passed between uh, chapter 22 and 23. And what has happened is, is the people of Israel now enjoy a time of peace. They've settled the land. They've been there for like about 20 years now. Um, they've raised families. They've grown several seasons of harvest. Uh, they've enjoyed peace. And now Joshua, he's this old war veteran, revered leader. He gathers the nation one last time and he gives his final words before going home to be with the Lord. And the main topic on the heart of Joshua at this time is the importance of the holiness, of holiness in relation to the faithfulness of God. See, nowadays, church, we don't talk too much about holiness. We talk a lot about God's faithfulness. We talk a lot about reaching the world for the gospel. We talk a lot about integrating faith in life in practical ways, but we know that all of these efforts must be infused with the power of the Spirit of God. And the Spirit power comes only through prayer and through holiness. Holiness is about walking with God in integrity, in humility, and in obedience to the Word of God. And without these things, we, in a sense, we squelch the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And Joshua chapter 23 really brings us back to this important focus on holiness in the spiritual life and how it relates to the faithfulness of God. So I'd like you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 23, verse 8. Joshua chapter 23, verse 8. And shall we stand in reverence for the word of God? Let's stand together. Joshua chapter three, verse 23, verse eight says, after a long time had passed, the Lord had given Israel rest from all the enemies around them. And Joshua by then, old and well advanced in years, summoned all of Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am old and well advanced in years. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord has done all to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I have conquered, between the Jordan and the great sea of the west. The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. 
Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated at this time. From this passage, we're going to look at the importance of holiness and the faithfulness of God, that that walking in holiness means walking in the presence of God, that we're with him at every moment, that holiness activates this power of the Holy Spirit, this filling of the Spirit of God. And this chapter actually in uh, Joshua is broken up into basically three messages, and Joshua in each of these messages actually continues to emphasize the importance of holiness, and each message, though it's very similar, it increases in urgency and in the importance to say Israel must remain holy to God. So I want to cover kind of three common themes that are seen throughout this message. I'm going to jump back and forth a little bit between some of the verses. But the first theme, the first uh, thing that we see from this is the connection between holiness and the presence of God. So verse 3 says, you yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Now, he emphasizes here, you yourselves have seen, meaning you have not, this is not something you've heard about, this is not something you kind of believe in theory that it's supposed to be the right thing to do. He says, this is something you have experienced personally, every single one of us. You are the generation that have seen enemies defeated solely because of the Lord your God fighting for you. And the battles, these battles were the Lord's. And he says again in verse 9, he goes on to say that um, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to stand withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. He says, God has driven out great and powerful nations. The implication is, is that These nations, you could not have done it yourself. These were really overpowering nations, and yet you have experienced peace and and, and victory, and no one has been able to stand against you, even to this day. He says, even one of you can stand against a thousand of your enemies. Why? Because the Lord is with you. Because the Lord fights for you. Basically, he's saying to the people, man, when you live wholly unto the Lord, you're invincible. And I like this. It's like nothing can stand against you. You can outnumber, the, I mean, the opposition can outnumber you a thousand to one, and you will still have victory because of the Lord. This is the connection between holiness and the presence of God. And we see this, now this is not just to the Israelites, this is to us as well, that Jesus says, hey, even uh, to the, he says to the disciples who are just these, these uh, like, young, um, these people who are young in the faith, they're not like really strong warriors of the Lord, and yet he says, man, even the gates of hell will not be able to stand against you. You'll stand against Satan himself. Jesus says to them, and if you abide in me, and I abide in you, and even anything you wish, and it'll be done for you. If If you're walking with the Lord, and there's a mountain that's standing in your way from keeping you from following God, You can just pray and say, move that mountain, and God will move that mountain. That's the power that God says that is with us. And I really believe this is the same power that we have today. A whole country can be bent on eliminating the name of Jesus from their land. They can bring all their military might, all their political might, but if God is in us, 
if God is in us, they will only find themselves fighting against God. We are literally, truly invincible with the presence of God. That's, that's the sentiment of, of Joshua's message. And, and he says, you know this. You have seen this. Everyone who took up the sword and risked their life for the kingdom of God, you have seen God's great power, bringing victory after victory. And after this, he brings a very sobering warning to the Israelites. And he says, the converse is also true. If you turn away from God and forsake his holiness and disregard the, the, the importance of God's presence, then his power can just as easily uh, depart from us. In verse 5, it says, uh, The Lord your God himself will drive them out of your way. He will push them out before you. You will take possession of the land the Lord, as the Lord your God promised you. In verse 6, then, he says, But be very strong. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. In verse 9, he says, again, we talked about, you know, that God has done these things. Verse 11, he says, be very careful. Love the Lord your God. And then verse 13, really odd saying, but it's there. He says, till you perish, lest you perish from this good earth. In verse 16, he says it again. Then the anger of God will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. Now, this is really weird. You say, man, that escalated really fast because you went from, Joshua went from, you'll be invincible, nothing can stop you, you can do anything, and then now he's talking about you could be wiped off the face of the earth. And you say, wow, Joshua, you're so melodramatic here, but no, Joshua is not um, exaggerating. He is saying to the people that if you walk in the holiness of God, in obedience, you'll be invincible in the land. There's nothing you cannot do. There's nothing that can stand against you. But if you walk, sorry, but if you forsake the Lord, if you walk in rebellion and idolatry, you will be wiped from the face of the earth. What makes the difference between complete victory and utter defeat? It is the presence of God. What makes the difference between I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me and everything I try to do always goes wrong? The difference is the presence of God. What makes the difference between I am unshakable in every circumstance, that I can rejoice in every circumstance and the difference between that and I'm a total victim to circumstance. I'm like a wave. I feel like a wave tossed back and forth uh, by the winds. What makes the difference? The presence of God. Joshua says with his dying breath, he says, Israel, remember, the presence of God is everything. It is why you are here today. It is why your families have settled in this land for this many years. And so be careful to walk in holiness, the holiness that keeps that presence of God before you. And so the second question is, what does it mean now to walk 
in holiness. What does it mean to be holy? In verse 7, it says, Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Now what's going on here is Israel has taken possession of the land. They've subdued the enemies, but there are still many Canaanites who remain in the land and they will continue to remain in the land throughout Israel's residence in that land. And so will their immoral practices and idolatry will still be there. And Joshua is warning the Israelites, he's saying, yes, the enemy has been defeated, but vestiges of the enemy will still remain in the land as long as you live. And you will be continuing to live with these potential influences around you. So in light of this reality, do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. And verse 11 goes on to say that if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Oops, did that go out? Um, now, before going into the specifics, I do want to mention or to kind of step back and say for the Israelites, okay, so it's there. Um, this is actually a physical example. The Israel is a physical example of deeper theological truths regarding the holiness of God. See, God is telling the, the Israelites, literally, do not associate with the pagan Canaanites. Do not strike a covenant with them. Do not intermarry with them. This is a literal command that they are to obey, Israel's to obey. The broader application is the idea of uh, speaking of a relationship. What is the relationship between us as followers of Jesus Christ who live in the world. See, Jesus in his death on the cross, he utterly defeated and disarmed Satan, right? Satan has no power over us. He has no power, no ability to influence us against our will. This is like the physical victory that God gave to the Israelites. But just as Israel must be constantly on guard for the Canaanites, we too must be constantly on guard and remain holy because there is still an enemy in this land, in this world, that prowls around looking for someone to devour. This is the world in which we live. Now he goes on to say there, there are several prohibitions that he says. He says, do not associate, uh, do not invoke their names, do not ally yourselves with them, do not intermarry with them. And associate for us doesn't mean completely avoid them. It just to us would mean uh, be careful of those who would cause us to compromise our faith 
or our honor before Jesus. Invoking oaths, invoking means uh, getting in, 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 in contracts that uh, for them would be about you know, getting in a contract that would lead them to have to worship other gods. I don't think we have much of that problem right now. Uh, intermarry means literally intermarry. Don't marry those who are Canaanites who are not believers. And again, this is the idea of entering into a most, the most intimate and all-encompassing agreement that's literally gonna demand our entire lives, change our entire lives, that's marriage. And God says to the Israelites, don't do this with people who are not followers of Yahweh. And I do believe that this has direct application to us as well as believers in Jesus Christ. But I'm not gonna dwell on that. What I wanna talk about is actually verse eight. Um, which I didn't put up there. Uh, it says, but verse eight says, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Now the word hold fast here is this idea of, 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 of a marriage, it's like a marriage of, of a husband and wife clinging together and allowing nothing to separate them. Uh, it's the idea of Ruth, is the same word when Ruth clung to Naomi and said, there's nothing that's gonna separate me, nothing that will tear me away from going with you. That's how determined she was. So to cling to Yahweh means to embrace him so tightly, so loyal, that you do not even allow the smallest crack of other gods to, to come into our lives. Um, and so one of the questions is we'll ask, is there anything in our lives right now that creates a, a crack between us and God? I mean, you know those cracks in the windshield, right? It's like, you know, you, you drive around and you hear this bang, and you look around and go, what happened? And you kind of see this little teeny little mark on your windshield. You go, oh, it's a little mark, it's not a big deal. But you know, right, we know that if you don't fix it, this line starts coming out of it. It starts getting this long. And then if you don't fix it some more, I mean, you don't even have to do anything to it, right? You don't, it doesn't get hit anymore, you don't push on it, you don't do anything to it. But pretty soon that crack just keeps going all the way down and, and, and it can go all the way across the windshield. One little teeny thing, go all the way across the windshield and pretty soon, you're like everywhere you drive, you have to look at the world through this crack. You can't avoid it. I mean, first you could, because it's just this little thing and I could deal with it then. But if I don't deal with it then, now this crack is all the way across the windshield. That means everything that I look at now is through this crack. That this crack is now influencing how I look at things. And I find like that's like how the world is right. See, because the world, Satan really, um, he, he has no room. He has no place in our lives. And, and yet, we cannot give him any foothold to move. We cannot give him any place to any crack to get between us and God. Because Satan, again, he's a liar. He is a destroyer. We give him anything. And he will try to extend that crack so that everything that we look at uh, is, is through the world. The world is Satan's messenger. The world uh, 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 continues to, to, to blare out Satan's lies. The world is Satan's counselor. The world is Satan's like hype man. He just makes everything that what Satan wants to say, uh, uh, the world will just tell it to everybody, tell it to us. The world will take good things like righteous anger and turn it into something ugly. Because we may start out saying, hey, you know, I'm righteous in my anger, that what I see is right. But we, we start looking through the, 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 the lens of the world and the world's gonna start taking that righteous anger and start turning it into hatred. 
into bitterness. We can start with compassion in our hearts and have so much compassion, the compassion of God for others. But Satan can use the world and, and turn it into compromise. When we begin to compromise the word of God and, and compromise his holy standards and, and compromise the things that we know that we should be doing that there, or the things that we shouldn't be doing, but yet we're so filled with the compassion and, and, and Satan just twists that compassion through the world and says, now do this and do that. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, a zeal for the Lord. God loves zeal for God, but, but the world can turn zeal for God into indignation, right? How can they be like that? Judgment, legalism. The world can take genuine sorrow where we're genuinely grieving because of something that is sorrowful, but he can, the world and Satan can turn it into despair and hopelessness. See, you ever start out with good intentions and you go, yeah, I start out with good intentions. How did everything go so wrong? How did I ever end up saying things like this, doing things like this, Treating this person like this. I didn't mean to do it that way. It was in my heart. There were good things, godly things that, that, that were moving me, but somehow, for some reason, it just came out bad. It's because of that crack in the windshield. It's because the world, that crack in the windshield becomes so normal to us now. If we look at it, we don't even notice it anymore. It's like part of how the world looks now. In the same way, we, we look at the world around us and the world now seems so natural, so reasonable. The world's messages seem to make so much sense to me. Oh, yeah. And it moves and eggs us towards ungodliness because we're allowing that, that world to, to have a crack, those, those, those gods, those, those idols of this world to, to have that crack, to get right in between us and God. And it's just, so this is, this is what, what, what God, what, what Joshua is warning the people of Israel in this time of, of peace, in this time of goodness for them to say, but still, you've got to be careful. We've got to be careful because there are still Canaanites in the land. There are still uh, gods in the land. And they will take every opportunity that we give them to come in between us and God. And so we look at this and we say, okay, um, the holiness in God's presence. We look at what does it mean to be holy? The third thing we will look at is the consequences of casual holiness. Now, um, again, we looked at this and we say, well, is, is God's love conditional? Because, you know, first God's saying, oh, you know, you're faithful and I'll, I'll bring all my blessings, but if you don't do this, uh, I'm not going to give it to you. Is God's love conditional? Is God, you know, waffling back and forth? No, God is not God's love is not conditional. We've been talking about the faithfulness of God. He never goes back. He never fails on any of his promises. Okay, uh, Joshua would remind them, you're standing here because of the faithfulness of God. Everything that you have is because God promised a long time ago to Abraham he was going to do this. And all this time, he's done it. Every single one of his promises, he's done it. And you are the ones who are standing right here seeing the faithfulness of God. So no one can say, oh, God is unfaithful. God's not doing the right, God's not fair. See, what Joshua is saying to, to the, the people is he's saying, if you don't walk in holiness, it's your choice. That if we rather have the world, if we rather freely choose the things of this world and say, you know, I would rather, you know, 
forget, I'd rather get the money. I'd rather get the things of this world. I'd rather have all these things because they're, they're kind of cool. They're kind of nice. And I see a lot of people, they seem to enjoy it. And they seem to, everything seems to go right for them. So I want, the, if we choose these things, if we really literally choose the world and the gods of this world, what it means is that we are actually choosing to forsake God. And if we choose to forsake God, God says, as quickly as the blessings have come, quickly you will lose them in the same way. And it's not a threat. It's not God going back on his promises. God is faithful. God has given you the land. God has given you rest. God uh, will never say, oh, you're so undeserving, I'm going to take it away from you. God's blessing and presence is always here, always here for us. But if we, if we willingly choose, we willingly choose to walk away from God's blessing and God's presence. If we say to God, God, thanks a lot, but I'm leaving now to follow other gods. I'm leaving now to follow the world. Then whatever happens to us, it's not on God. It's on us. God doesn't force us to follow him. God doesn't force his presence on us. God's not going to follow us around like a little puppy. You know, we say, oh, little puppy, wherever I go, you just follow me around. No, God's not a puppy. God is the holy God of the universe. He's the God of the universe. He gave his beloved son to die on the cross to pay the penalty that we deserve, to suffer the pain and, and death that we deserve in order to offer us a new life free of charge that we simply receive by faith. And we become a new creation. We become children of God. We become heirs of heaven, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. This is the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And Joshua says, if we walk away from these things and follow the world and chase after other gods, we willingly and knowingly choose to forsake the grace and faithfulness of God for the things of this world. And Joshua tells the people in verse 13 and pleads with them, says, you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive these nations out before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps to you, whips on your backs, thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given to you. The idea of snares and traps. Uh, snares and traps is like a metaphor of something that just catches you off guard. It's like a bird just walking in the forest and he's stepping on some leaves going, no, this is great. And then the net just completely you know, catches him and he has no idea how he got into this trap. And that's how the world is. You know, we're walking around the world saying, hey, this is great. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm compromising stuff, but who cares? And then boom, we don't realize how tricky, how deceptive uh, this world is. Whips and thorns are this idea of, of suffering, of agony and suffering that the world brings upon those who embrace this world. It's not nice, it's not good, it's not fun, it's not relaxing. It's whips and thorns. In verse 39, uh, Joshua says to the people, he says, now I'm about to go the way of this earth and you know with all your heart and soul, not one of all the good promises of God, the Lord your God has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. I mean, he keeps doing this over and over again in this message. And then in verse 15, but as every good promise of the Lord your God has come true, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil that he has threatened until he has destroyed you from this good land that he has given you. Ah, that's, that's a hard statement. Oh, God bringing upon us evil, not saying evil, it's a lot, he's, he's allowing the consequences 
and disasters that come upon us for the choices that we make. He's really saying this idea, but he says, you know, just as every good promise, meaning in the same way that all these good things came on you, so God will bring all these consequences on us if we turn away from him and forsake holiness. Verse 16, if we violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he's commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly perish from the good land that God has given you. Joshua says, do not compromise with the world. Do not give Satan any foothold. Do not tolerate any sin or any little thing, any little crack that will come between us and holding fast to God because we do not realize how fast and how quickly it, it can go downhill. It was really interesting, you know, when, when looking at the, uh, those, uh, I'm going to say genograms, but they're anagrams? Anagrams at, uh, at uh, the retreat. And the anagrams are telling you, am I one or two? So walk around and say, are you a one or two? You know, categorizing each other. But anyways, uh, what was interesting about the anagram, which I hadn't seen in, in many other things, was they would say something like, if you're a nine, well, I was a nine, then at your best, you'll be this. At your worst, you'll be this. And I thought, that was really interesting. I've never seen that before. And I thought about that. I thought, okay, this is how God created us. And, and these are our passions and our strengths and our gifts. And when the, when the Spirit is in us, this is how we act. This is the best of us. This is God's Spirit working with us in powerful ways. But if we, if we, if we surrender to the world... And, and we live according to the world, then these are the worst things that can come out of us and the worst things that can happen. What it means is that God has created us with a passion. Again, going back, we may have a passion for justice. And we say the best, when God, when God fills me with the Spirit and I'm walking with the Lord, my passion for justice is gonna be you know, for the Lord, for, for seeing God's word and his might and, and his goodness pass through the world and 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 and, and, and and, and make great progress in places where there's injustice because that's how God created me. But, but, if I give in to the world and its messages and give Satan his room for lies, then that same strength that God has given to me is going to turn to judgment and anger and hatred and revenge. If, if again, my life... If, if we're made uh, for compassion, we say, oh, I'm such a compassionate person. I love people and I'm, I feel so much for people. And, and God says, that's how I created you. If we're filled with the Spirit, then whoa, we're going to love people and, and we're going to uh, care for people and there's nothing we're going to not do for, for people and, and love them. But, but if, if, if the world gets a hold of us, those same things are going to be, well, you know, holiness doesn't mean it. You know, we accept everybody. It doesn't matter. Don't worry about this. You know, the sin, uh, God doesn't, it's okay. And compromise. If we're zealous for the Lord and we say, man, I want things to be done well for God, uh, the best that they can be. And when we do that, hey, we do, 
God's spirit fills us. We're like, wow, we can make the church run really well. Programs are really well. God's kingdom is going to go forward. The church is going to go forward. There's no wasting of time and all these kind of things. And those good things can happen when the spirit of God is filling us. But if, this, if the world begins to get a hold of our lives and cracks start coming in and the world starts taking over, then we become, what, legalistic. And we say, wow, you've got to do it this way. We've got to do it that way. What's wrong with all these people? How come everyone's so slow? How come, you know, complaining spirit, things like that. There's so many ways in which, you know, God has created us and made us very special, each one of us. And as we come before the Lord, as we take communion, as we think about this world and, and the choice that we have, you know, think about that and say, pray to God and say, what is that gift that God has given to me? And ask God to say, God, what are the ways in which the world is taking those things and making them bad? And Father, help me. Help me to walk in the ways that are filled with the Spirit so that the things that you have given me, the way that you have made me unique in the body of Christ, that these gifts can be used for the glory of God and Satan can have no finger, no touch on using those things to hurt anybody, to do anything that would hurt the kingdom of God. That's the choice that we have before us. That's the, the prayer that we must come before the Lord as we take communion, as we live in this world with the messages of this world pouring in, let us continue to heed the word of God and walk with God and allow his presence to continue to fill us. So let's go ahead and let's spend some time in prayer right now. And again, if God is speaking to you uniquely about your own weaknesses, our own weaknesses, the things that we tend towards, and maybe we're doing it right now. Maybe we've been saying it right now. Maybe we, we've been affecting, you know, saying things, 